Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continue to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess... Is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KBEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? It's talking about, time about. for Mortgage Matters. All right. Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> I'm back, you guys. All right. Yeah, huh? Are you as excited about it as I am? <laughs> I am. I'm just hoping you remember all the yeah. the thing. You know, keep your your face about two fingers from the microphone. Stay nice yeah. and close. <laughs> yep. Make sure That's you right. talk a lot. Keep it exciting. Keep it interesting. That's yeah. right. No yeah. Dead air. No, you dead did. air is bad. No, you're so <laughs> never good. And in case you're worried that your ears no, deceive good. you. It is Jason it, Yeah, I'm back, you guys. It's the new year. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to do this. Is my first show of, of 2018. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's been a really long time since I've been here. And, and you know, I was actually, mm-hmm. yesterday, uh-huh. couple, during the week, I was kind of like, ah, I got the radio show this weekend. Yesterday, I was like, I'm kind of excited to do the radio. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. Well, I, I walked out into the lobby. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Jason's actually in the lobby with Dan. Yeah. Wow. I even managed some fanfare <laughs> email while I was yeah. gone. You must have told the people, you know, kind of what was up. I got some. Yeah. I got a couple of emails, you know, sorry going through these things and, uh, you know, yeah. can't wait for you to be back. It's like, cool. I missed. I love it's it. It's changing your, <laughs> it's Dan, giving you a break from all of it. Dan, mm-hmm. I got another email yeah. too. Uh-oh. Email said, Oh, something to the effect of, I first started listening for the banter between you two, and I understand that personal thing goes goes on, but if the one guy stays gone for much longer, you're going to lose listeners. <laughs> <laughs> he said it's beginning to sound like an infomercial. Yeah, right. And I was like, what are these guys doing? So what have you been doing? Have you been doing infomercials while I'm gone? Absolutely not. No. We had Westbrook on yeah, twice, actually, because he was in a rerun. Uh, and then, uh, oh. yeah, Westbrook actually made an appearance in here. Yeah. Yeah, we had to rerun. I guess it was last week's show because I ran out of guests. Well, ran out of guests. Hosts. Everybody was unavailable. <laughs> right. So yeah. yeah. Plus, it was Super Bowl week. Wait, were you then. ready to do it? I could have. Well, it was actually a scheduled week off for me because I had planned on my dad visiting last weekend. So I really didn't want to, but I could have. Yeah. But yeah, there were no other guest hosts to accompany me. And you know how that two hour block by yourself can be. <laughs> or no, you don't. I've never done it. <laughs> I've never done it. You and I have done it. Yeah. No. I don't Trust doubt. Me. I don't <laughs> doubt that I no. probably could do it. Yeah. No. I mean, truth be told, if I don't have. Uh, here, usually, Dan, I mean, as long as we're in the circle of trust here, I'll let you know. When we've been doing this for like the 40-something weekends a year for like nine years in a row or whatever ridiculous amount of time this has been, um, 
the I'm going in solo thing is basically like, you may as well take the day off. That's the thing. I could probably do it. Yes, I'm scared to do it, but nobody else wanted to come along. It feels like a sign. <laughs> Just take the Saturday off. Right. Spend some extra time with the family. So... Last week was a rerun, I get that, and then January, I think you guys did, what, probably five shows or something, right? Close to it. Yeah, four probably. Yeah. yeah. We had, uh, we, I mean, we got a few different voices on to to vary the, the topics and opinions. We had Mike Points and Jason Van Dyke, I think, was on once, maybe? Yeah, we actually did five shows. Did we, we were back the weekend yeah. after the first. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, we maybe, did it. Well, maybe one rerun. So anyway, I missed a show a couple months ago, and then the next week I brought up some old stuff, and you kind of snapped at me. You know, hey, we talked about that last week. So Hey, before we dive into it, <laughs> before we dive into it, there's this story locally that's kind of bothered me the last couple days. Oh? And I just want to... Say to the slow high men's soccer team, congratulations on an excellent season and um, the league title that was stripped away at the last minute. I really think that that's an unfortunate situation. It's been on the front page of the paper the last two days. Apparently, a couple of the kids from the team got caught playing in a men's rec league team. And because of that, that's against rules. And they had to forfeit 10 of their wins. Against. And they were like a two-loss team, like a twenty-win two-loss team. All right, forgive, I mean, forgive me. For wow, first I don't time hearing of this. I don't quite understand the rationale behind the rule. Of, Is it a CIF rule? Yeah, but man, I mean, clearly an amazing soccer team who, with with some great players, and I mean, I can just think, you know, we play men's softball, and if some, you know, sixteen-year-old showed up to play softball and they weren't very good or whatever i did i'd be like come on this this is a men's league you got to get out of here clearly these guys are good and they're invited to play with some older men and they're competing with them and that's great i mean are is the problem they're getting too much practice time or something i'm not really sure i don't understand the rationale of the rule perhaps if i understood that i might be able to get behind the decision but i just want to say congratulations to them on a great season and really uh, disappointing you know finish or at least how it all worked out for for them as far as not being able to go to the playoffs. Anyways, I no just one, want to say that. No one's attempted to explain this rule. Well, no. I mean, I've as far as I've read it, I've just I know what the rule is that you're not allowed to play in a in a men's rec league or something. I, I don't know. Maybe the, maybe they don't want them to have too much practice time. I I don't understand. Yeah, or be playing with those people that <laughs> it's kind of like in baseball. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like in baseball when you, um, and, and I know in the MLB they do it, but like when you when you're going up, you're on deck right, and you're getting loose, so you swing a weighted bat or three or four bats at a time. The idea is that once you get down to the one lighter bat, it's going to be you're like not only are you stretched out a little bit more, but you're faster with it because you're used to swinging three of them. Maybe that's what it's like. You go in the rec league and you run with these really fast guys. So then you're just so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't understand. You're used to playing yeah. with people at a higher level, so then you're going to dominate. I, that I, just sounds like people who are practicing more. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I don't but see maybe, the problem with practicing more. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I just, I just want to argue because I love that. 
Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe they their interest is in the fact that these are student athletes and the sport is demanding enough, mm-hmm. and they don't want the kids to be able to continue the club and rack and all these other things that will take away from all of the extra time that they otherwise maybe be should be putting into their studies. What if they're straight A students? Who knows? I guess this, <laughs> this topic seems very timely right now because my kids are just now hitting the sports age and it's, you know, th- these are kids and I get that sports are competitive, especially in high school, but sports are supposed to be fun and, build you know there, there's so many other lessons out of sports other than winning and losing the teamwork the ability to work with others the ability to be good winners and losers so many great lessons and it it kind of there was an article and uh, keep your chin up a, when you lose yes. there's an article and in now time the lessons ma- are you might article, get stripped hey, of a title there's an article in time you magazine know? the other day about when did kids sports turn pro and that's kind of how I feel about this. Another coach turned these kids in. Yeah. I'm like, these are just kids playing soccer and they're good at it. Let them play. And, um, you know, why do we? I don't know. It just I, it seems like kids sports are being taken so seriously. Yeah. And um, it's they unfortunate. Be allowed to play. There's a lot of a lot of other. I mean, it's one thing to like say, hey, these kids, these these four kids can't play in future games. It's another thing to say the entire team loses out on the opportunity to play in the playoffs um, because of what a couple of other kids did. Yeah. It's just frustrating. I'm curious. I don't understand. I'm it curious too if they knew it because that's yeah. such a non nonsensical rule that maybe Mine. they just are having fun. They just love the game, so they're just playing. And enjoying it. Maybe it wasn't even that intensive of a thing. Maybe there was actually no benefit from doing it. Right. Maybe, and now maybe all of a sudden it's a gotcha. And it was like, hey, can you jump in here? Uh, who knows? I don't and know. I don't know gotcha. the whole story. It's just, these are kids. Let them play. They're having fun. We're they love the sport. If we're going to do that, why don't we get on the Olympics committee Yeah. and say, if you're a professional athlete, you can't play in the Olympics. Well, they used to do that. Yeah, and they don't anymore. They used to do yeah. that with like hockey yeah. and you know, basketball. Yeah. Basketball was the big one, and then we started getting beat. So then they're yeah. like, "Oh, well, let's let the pros play." Now we too. got Kobe Bryant. Every other country's allowing their stuff. pros it's to play. Like, no, yeah, it's just yeah. man. We're you know, it's yeah. it's a topic in my office lately because baseball season's about to start, and we're talking about you know how the the seven year olds are getting evaluated yeah. and drafted. And it's like they're they're seven, right? Yeah. They're seven year olds. Mm-hmm. Uh, we throw them on a team and we let them have fun. Anyway, yeah. I get sense. it, Dan. I think that's awesome. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah. You might not be nuts enough for the <laughs> whole thing. Yeah, I don't know. Because uh, my kids are a little bit older than yours. I've been dealing with it for a little yeah. bit longer. Uh, and I've definitely seen, I mean, there's those dads, like their their license plate on their truck is like coach. And they're, you know, they're just, the, it's their life. And you're like, wow, okay, that's that's probably that guy who's like kid goes pro because he's been, you know, doing this since a kid could, like, hold a spoon. He's been trying to get him to throw a ball, and um, it's awesome. We're crazy we weren't like that in my house. I love sports. Yeah. Love winning. Love competition. Love all the lessons it teaches you all that. But, um, you know, it's like kind of like one of many things we do. It was never our whole life. But if, so there's that's that guy that turned him in. That's mm-hmm. that dude. He's been waiting his whole life for this. I know the rule book better than you. 
That's crazy. Yeah. I think those dads sometimes are kind of living vicariously through their kids because maybe they really were terrible at that sport when they were growing up, and now this kid's good, and they're pushing them at it. I don't know. Who knows? I feel bad for I those just, kids. Yeah, I feel you know? bad for the kids. I think they uh, sometimes they may obviously a, a good team, a mm-hmm. lot of good players, and um, you know feel like they deserve to go on, but that's that's not what the rules say. So. I tuned in today because I wanted to hear you tell me about the stock market. What <laughs> in the actual heck is going on with the stock market? Pretty it's crazy. going crazy. Yeah. Um, yesterday, some of the commentaries that I read. Um, I thought you'd love this. Uh, total doom and gloom. Major, major chaos and, and trouble ahead. Suggesting that um, primarily that the that the stock market is now paying close attention to the bond market. So suggesting basically that these problems are are being led by the bond market. We can talk about what's going on with the bond market in just a minute. But then went on to cite that, um, you know, essentially household debt right now is pretty huge. And there was a bunch of articles written about it, like at the beginning of Q4 last year. And I guess it was just kind of not on my radar. I didn't, it didn't really pop up. I wasn't tracking it. I didn't see it. So as I, this week, I kind of started down the rabbit hole of, hey, there's an article from, October about household debt, and then there's a bunch in November, and started going, huh? People were really talking about this a few months back, and it didn't, it just didn't really register for me. I guess I just, I, I wasn't reading that part of the paper. Uh, but talking about credit card debt basically hitting all time highs and growing, and now I'm like, hey, uh, everybody wrote articles two, three months ago. Can you update them now? I'm dying to know what the holiday season and a few more months under our belt have done. Um, but sounded like credit cards were really high, um, citing sources that uh, banks were sort of getting back to that era. Remember pre-recession last time? You could get a credit card for anything for everyone. And then remember during the recession, all of a sudden, credit cards were kind of hard to come by for a little while. Yeah, They were cutting available cutting credit yeah. down to the balance and yeah. you know being a lot more careful. <laughs> Auto loans are very high. Um, the percentage of people with auto loans is huge. Uh, delinquency in auto loans. We have talked about that. They kind of call uh, the subprime auto loans, but the default, the current state of default on auto loans is higher than it's normal. Okay. And, um, so these guys are saying, Hey, with what's happening here, this stock market going absolutely nuts and pushing 27,000. And now, you know, this week we've, um, did we finish down the 10% or not? I know we've been flirting with it all week long, right? Minus 500 points, minus 1,000 points, plus 500 points, minus 1,000 points. I mean, there's some crazy days. Um, these guys are basically just saying that there's some significant leverage that's gone on right now in terms of what you owe on your home for all the people that are bought homes quite recently Credit cards, basically household debts kind of at an all-time high and uh, are fearful that in a little correction, um, if rates have to go up several times and it slows things down a little bit, you know, if rates have to go up because the economy is, is really getting hot, that uh, we might experience some deleveraging again and, and go through a little bit of a normal market. I kind of am like, nah. 
I, I've been hearing that talk for too long, but at the same time now we're like 10 years in, right? In this, this cycle of the recovery, depending on where you want to start it, it's sort of hitting normal cycle time that you would expect some things to change a little bit. And they're suggesting that this time, you know, different than last time, I, I say that with air quotes, but that this time that there's potentially some more pain on the horizon, given how quickly people acquire debt again. Yeah, everything that I've been seeing seems to think this has been triggered by, well, it's, you know, the, the stock market volatility really started on last Friday. Um, and it was right after the jobs report. It was a strong jobs report, showed some um, improved wage growth. So I think that kind of sparked the inflation fear. Um, and that that's really been the word that I've heard so much this past week in the commentary is inflation. Um and in a more inflationary time, you would expect rates to go up the, the um, you know, when, when the bonds are usually moving higher, when the yields are higher, you would expect those stocks to come down a little. I think that's all typical. Yeah. Well, there has been, a, there's, there's a couple days this week though, where the Dow sold off a thousand points. Right. And all the correction yeah. talk was talking about like, could this be the leading edge of a, a significant correction? And ordinarily you would see that money move from there to the bond market. But we saw yeah. on a couple of those days, we saw the bond yields go up too, which makes me wonder where is that money going? And then I had, you know, we always talk about that, the profit taking thing, right? Right. You have, you've seen the stock market go up 26% in about a year. That's a pretty fast run. Um, you know, and it's all been, it, from my vantage point, it's all been based on, um, you know, perceived, po- you know, what we expect policy change wise and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, we've seen a tax change, we've seen all these different things. And so when you change from one set of policy ideals to another, you, there was a big shift in investment activity. And so that happened so rapidly over the last 12 months that a correction isn't an unusual thing. And it's, we corrected 10%. Yeah, it happened really fast, but it also ran up really fast. It so, did. You said 26%. And I mean, I'm sure you're regurgitating that number from something else you've seen. I'll accept it. I'm in my heart. I feel like at the election, which was what, 15 months ago or something like that, whatever. Um, I remember all that. The Dow could go over 20,000. Yeah, it was, it was right around like 18,000 and there. So yeah, in a, in more than a. So it's like year period could it go over twenty thousand? we were seeing intraday it would go over twenty thousand and then fall below just couldn't quite close over twenty thousand for a couple days in a row and then all of a sudden we're hitting this point recently where it was wanting to get to twenty seven thousand it's huge that's such a big runoff so the reason i bring that up like kind of want to just make this point clearly you have how many of those people are just like hey that's a good time to sell now I just want to take that profit. I got to believe that's So mindset. I just want to take that profit and not necessarily moving into the bond market because they don't want to bet that tough times are ahead. So maybe they're just going into cash or they're moving into other investments or they're sitting the sidelines for a couple of weeks while they see if it is a buying opportunity or not. Um, but that historical relationship 
through this little correction of you know eight or nine percent, I think is where it sits right now. Um, we haven't seen the typical relationship. We haven't seen the money move to the bond market and lower that yield. Would you want to buy bonds when you know we're poised for higher rates? Well, you buy a a two and a half percent yield on a ten year. What's that going to be? No, worth? to answer your question, and when I talked to the financial advisor this week about the CD that uh, matured, she said, "What do you want to do with this? You know, the balance has matured." You made 0.8% last time. <laughs> right. What do you want to do this time? Say, so, well, we're we're told by the feds right now we're getting at least three rate hikes this year, unless the wheels start to come off. And then this week, Dudley was caught, you know, basically he's retiring, right? Got the right guy. Is it retiring guy? Anyway, one of the retiring Fed members came out and said, if things keep doing what they're doing, a fourth rate hike would yeah. definitely be warranted. And so, anyway, just one guy. We know he doesn't make all the decision, but it echoes a little bit of sentiment about what one of these smart people is saying. So I'm thinking if we might have four rate hikes this year, don't go lock your money up in a 12-month CD or a 24-month CD. Be short-term. So do three months, do six months. That way you can keep getting that higher yield. So to answer your question, absolutely not. I'm making the point. I wouldn't want to go buy the bond right now because I think the bond's going higher. The rates are going higher with it, and I want to wait to be able to buy it when it's worth, when it's, you know, the yield is higher. So um, perhaps that's why some people aren't buying it. You know, the other thing, too, that we just can't not discuss in this topic of where the pressure's at is the international economy like we know from the the european central bank the bank of japan um and a couple of others but those are big ones um that they were having their basically fed meeting in the last month and we weren't sure if they were going to raise rates or reduce stimulus and so both neither raised rates but both are saying that they're close to it and so now we're hitting a point where the global economy is starting to catch some stride too, which so if everyone starts floating their rates up a little bit, we should be able to go relative, right? Yeah, and they've come, long thought that we've been holding our rates down while the rest of the world Yeah, to be nice up. in the sandbox. So we are, we, you must have said something because the phone lines are lighting up here. It's probably about the soccer talk. <laughs> let's, um, let's start with... Hazel calling from Solvang. I like how you say it was me, too. <laughs> I think Hazel's the first caller from Solvang on the show, yeah, too. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Welcome, Hazel. Good morning. Um, I, I'm, I'm not... Um, I, I don't know about the, the economy. Uh, however, I know about the economy in Solvang. Okay. And um, our mayor and two council members voted... Uh, have spent 46000 of our taxes... And that is just for a study. Uh, they want to add 450 acres to the size of Solvang. Mm. And none of the residents were uh, given the courtesy of being asked what they wanted. Uh, there were no meetings to discuss it. Neither are we allowed to vote on this issue. This, it's an annexation issue. Um, now the council are having their staff tell the public not to worry as the annexation will not take place for at least 10 to 20 years. Well, I'm 80, nearly 83. 
why am I paying for something that won't be done in my lifetime? This is total nonsense. We're being lied to again. Um, annexation would ruin this city. It's far too small. Um, uh, the, the ro we have one road going through town, and we can't widen it. And much of the housing development, the commercial and industrial businesses, would 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 that's where it would be built. Is this uh, is this what the study is going to prove? Uh, the study uh, is. I haven't read the study. So it's underway. Um, but the 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 study will. Um, uh, it's like a plan of of where uh, all these different places would be. People are greedy. Um, they want to use up every inch. Solvang is a very pretty city. We moved here because it was pretty. Now we'll need more schools. We'll need more fire and police services. And if one has a heart attack, as I have had, um, I would not rely on an ambulance ever getting to me if, if this annexation takes place because... As I say, we have one road going through town. Um, in addition, we, we're told we have drought. We have water rationing, pretty much. Um, but the businesses are allowed to use as much as they want, and they got a 53% decrease while our payments on our water keeps going up. Well, um, we, we need a new council. And last year, I asked the council what they plan to do about the infestation of rats. We have more rats than people in this town. They're in the restaurants, they're in the bakeries, they're all over. I haven't eaten in a restaurant uh, for over a year since I found out about all this. Um, and it's a health problem. We need it fixed instead of spending 46000 so that a bunch of people that have property here can build on it and make a killing. I hear your concerns, Hazel, and I'm a strong believer in the voice of the people. And when and that's why there are these city council meetings that are often televised and you know attended by public, and you have that public comment opportunity. If enough people are like-minded and go to these council meetings and voice their opinion then I believe the council will will listen and and you know take those comments seriously. I've I feel like we've seen similar things in Pismo Beach where they're talking about bringing in some other areas to to build houses on up in the what is it the Price Canyon area um and and a lot of people were, were really against that and ultimately they decided not to do that. So there's a, you know if if well, this is something that you're we're passionate going to have about, have a meeting on the 26th at the city hall, and we're hoping to get people there. You know, yeah, yeah. Let but, us know uh, how it goes, Hazel. We've got a few phone calls behind us, so we yeah. got to let you go. Appreciate you listening, Thank and you. thanks for calling in and airing your concerns. Good well, luck. Good so luck down for there. Your program. We yeah, do, I do appreciate it. Thank you. Well, Thank you. you. All right, we do have a couple other callers waiting patiently. We've got Tom calling from Edna, Edna Valley. I'll be, do my best to be brief. Okay. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> okay. You've highlighted a bunch of what I would, well, a bunch of indicators which are interesting, but they're really not indicators. What's going on right now is there has been a run-up. You're right. And there is probably going to be a correction at some point. But this is generated by market makers. What's going on right now is generated by market makers and 
I would say to anyone who's got some extra cash, buy into it and hedge. Uh, it, this is this is not going to be the deal. That's my comment. Good luck. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Tom. Before we um, before we comment on that, let's go to the third caller waiting patiently. We've got Brent calling from Morro Bay. Morning, Brent. I had a question. I had a question for you. Sure. He's an expert on. What about lease options as a vehicle to let's say you're buying a like let's say what would be called like a dilapidated product property and do a lease option to give you time to get it up to snuff for a loan. Have you ever heard of doing that? Or is that a vehicle that would be? No, definitely. Uh, I love the lease option. When it's thought through and the participants involved understand it, um, I got to tell you, back in my underwriting day, um, I can't tell you how many times I saw some people show up a couple years into a lease option and they had structured it wrong uh, in a way that the the tenant basically thought they were acquiring some down payment in a loan or something like kind of a rent to own type of thing. Um, right. So anyways, I always want to be able to take time. I, I want to answer your question. I also just want to give people some general advice if that's something you're thinking about doing. Um, one of the ideal situations is a dilapidated property. I'm glad you bring that up. If the If the property is substandard to lending requirements today... Um, and right. you want to acquire it, you'd have a tough time getting financing for it. But if you could make an agreement with the seller, say, hey, let me get in here. Let's agree on a price. I'll start making some improvements. And then you can sell it to me later down the road when it's financeable. Um, that's, that's really, uh, obviously a great thing for you. I think it's a good thing for the seller too, because they don't have to sell, um, as discounted of a price if they were just selling to, you know, kind of like I got to dump this thing because it's unlendable and, and somebody else is going to make all the money on my back. They might actually get a little bit more for working with you in a scenario like that. Um, in today's market, uh, we don't see a whole lot of lease options. And I think number one is the market's so swift moving that if you list a property, most anywhere in Slow County, and you list it at an acceptable price point, um, there's typically going to be multiple offers on it. And playing around with somebody that's got a plan that takes six or you know, 12 or 24 months, sellers just generally don't have to do that. And and there's still, we see about a quarter of all transactions around here are still all cash. So um, sometimes they can just hold out and get that deal anyway. Uh, another person that a lease option works great for is somebody with some damaged credit. You know, maybe you had a problem six or 12 or 24 months ago, but you know, if it's a bankruptcy, maybe you need 36 months seasoning or 48 months seasoning. And so you find the perfect house, your landlord offers you the house. And so you, again, you kind of wrap it up to where once the, the clock runs off and the issues are resolved that you could finance it. So. Um, it, it can be a very good deal if the buyer and seller understand that and want to work it out. Um, my that's advice kind of what, that's kind of what I was asking is, you know, what the, what the pitfalls and I could see even walking in. Here's the pitfalls. Uh, not, not as a, not as, you know, not as a runner, but saying, here, I'll give you 10% down now. I mean, so you got no, no downside, right? Here's, yeah. Here's 10% cash and you're basically, you're renting it now. So you're going to get in essence, what you got ready, and then you're going to get your sales price when it becomes basically right. uh, where where a guy could acquire a loan for it. Sure. 
Yeah, so it's a great deal. And and what you're offering, I think if you can find a seller that has a little bit of patience and wants to do that. And by the way, let me tell you about a seller that really wants to do that. Um, how about a seller that doesn't want to sell the property? You know, maybe they're going to have $300,000 worth of capital gains in a year. So doing a kind of installment sale where they might get, you know, a 10% down payment from you today and maybe you'd structure it where they get a little bit more next year and then, you know, the next year so that they don't have that, that one tax event. Um, right. I can just think of different reasons why someone would want to do it. So for you and yeah. what you're doing, um, if you do a lease option, use some good forms and record it. People forget to record these things. So then it, it can turn into a he said, she said, or maybe the seller sells it out from under you or they, they die and the property then is inherited by somebody else because your lease option wasn't recorded and others don't know that you hold that option. So uh, no, I agree. I agree. I, yeah. I foresaw that portion. Of yeah. It. Make an my agreement. Next, my next question yeah. is do the taxes change until you exercise the option? I don't believe they do. However, I have to say, due to my licensing, I'm I'm not an expert in the tax side of it. So if you're talking slow county, you can call our county assessor office and double check. <laughs> your, your opinion, I didn't want to. They're really helpful over there, so I always encourage people to call. Tom Bordenaro and his whole staff are great to deal with. My understanding of it is that they won't change until the property is reconveyed. When you change the deed from one party to another, they'll have you fill out the PCOR, which is the preliminary change of ownership. And when you change that form, that filing says, you know, is this a family transfer? Is this a, you know, any one of these different types of transactions? And, and basically they're shaking you out to figure out if the change in title is a tax trigger change. And if it is, that's where it happens. So uh, before you change the deed, it would not, in my opinion, again, I you should call, but it wouldn't change the tax base. So there's some advantages there too. There very well could be if the seller has a good low tax base. Absolutely. Okay. And so any, any, any advice on if you're going to structure a lease option, the only, uh, get it recorded. Uh, I would say, yeah, get it recorded. Probably use a real estate agent. Make sure that you that you guys do it correctly so that everyone will honor it. And it doesn't sound like it's the case for you, but for everybody else, if you are trying to have the seller credit you some of your lease payments for down payment, right? And this is something we see because they go, okay, well, and I'll lease it from you for five years. I'll buy it for $500,000. i will give you $50,000 today. I'll pay you rent for five years. And at year five, you're going to give me a $50,000 credit towards my down payment because I paid you 60 months worth of rent and it will help me not to have mortgage insurance as I'll have the whole 20% down. Problem is in underwriting, we need to determine at the beginning of the lease what the fair market rent is, usually with a comparable rent schedule, right? It's 1200 bucks a month. And so if you paid 1200 bucks a month, we're not going to give you anything. If you paid 
you again established the values 1200 you paid 1700 then we would count that $500 a month differential 6 grand a year over the term of the lease to 30,000 bucks that's those kind of things need to be well documented and walk through it if someone's trying to make the rent count towards the down payment and like I said it doesn't sound like it's the case with you but oftentimes yeah, for first time home buyers yeah you probably do it more as a here's the interest on what i owe you sure and then maybe Maybe you're right. You could say, okay, here's interest plus 500 bucks a month. Well, sometimes we'll see with a first time home buyer where the landlord says, Hey, do you want to buy the house? Like they're already a tenant and the tenant says, yeah, but I don't have any down payment. And they say, that's okay. Do this lease option with us. And then we'll, you know, we'll be able to credit part of the, that your rent to the down payment later. But if they don't set it up correctly and they don't record it and they just don't, you know, if we can't follow the bouncing ball, they'll think they're making real traction that they're not. So, um, great question. I really appreciate it. And yeah, I would suggest rope a realtor in. I mean, it's obviously you don't want to end up paying a whole bunch of commission on something you don't necessarily have to, but a helpful realtor lawyer would do the same or a lawyer. I mean, for a fee, they'll help you with forms and, um, you know, and oftentimes a realtor will help you just because they, they want you to know that they're intelligent, hardworking, and, and are looking for your <laughs> referral later. Uh, lawyer and then in the title company, of course, if you get all those documents within the, uh, doing the title. Yeah. They'll help you too. Hey, Brent, yeah. thank you very much hey. for listening and thanks for the call today. I really appreciate it. Oh, we missed our break. No, we're going to take a break because we need to. And uh, and then we'll be back to talky, talky. Talk, talk more about the markets and you know address Tom's comment. Um, so let's do that. Let's take a break here really quick, and we'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KBEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso Robles, Morro Bay, Atascadero, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. In Napoli, 
I could listen to this song over and over again. Dan was basically serenading us before the microphone come on, and then he stopped. Yeah, I know. I've I've received feedback on my voice before, my singing voice. It's, uh, it's not always the most positive. Yeah. Dino Paul Crosetti. That's this guy. Mm. Yeah. That's his real name. Doesn't roll off the tongue like Dean Martin. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Dino Paul Crosetti. Hmm. You know, he died on Christmas Day. What were we listening to before Christmas? We were listening to the gal that um, had that crazy famous Christmas song. Uh, um, Saint, the, the gal, look this up. I know you guys are going to call BS on me because this is what okay. you do. Mm-hmm. The gal that originally sang that, uh, everyone thinks it's a Marilyn Monroe song, the oh. Santa Baby, that oh, one. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, it's... Um, I want to say, uh, I want to say Ella Fitzgerald, but I don't. It's not. No, it's not. Uh, shoot. Okay, I'll find it. Anyway, yeah. Santa baby, it's not Madonna. I mean, Madonna did it, but everyone's done it. Eartha Kid. Eartha Kid. There you go. It is Eartha Kid. She yeah. died on Christmas Day. Really? Wow. That's crazy, huh? Uh, anyway, crazy. stupid trivia. My uh, mind is full uh, of these ridiculous things. Well, maybe they don't want to do any more Christmas songs because they're gonna... right. If you <laughs> that's the more that's probably the biggest Valentine's Day song there probably could be. And he died on yeah. Oh, he died on Christmas. So yeah. So I'm yeah. <laughs> <was> like <laughs> no connection whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I maybe I in yeah. my mind I I did listen to like the Dean Martin Christmas stuff a lot. Uh, oh yeah, before right? I mean, kind of a staple. So mm-hmm. hearing Dean Martin, that's what makes me think of same thing with mm. Frank Sinatra. Like there's, yeah. you know, Nat King Cole, a lot of that. So I understand they had very normal mainstream music careers, <clears> but like <throat> with my grandparents listening to the Christmas stuff was when I feel like I heard it the most. That's mm. what made me think of Dean. Martin and Christmas. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And he died on Christmas. Gotcha. Wow. Hmm. Anyway. Sorry. Sorry. I got off track. <laughs> I'm out of practice, guys. I had like seven weeks off or something. Um, all right. Sandwiched in between the two calls. I understand Tom's point. Yeah, I, I get it. You know, we can talk about economic data and so was he suggesting- fundamentals and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, I I tend to agree with Tom. I think the stock market is a it's a bunch of guys making bets and you know and and 
you know, like you said, it's made by market makers. In so fact, how do you, the so other he day, said hedge it though. Are we talking about like, yeah, take I mean, out there's some positions? This is a great time to trade. In fact, all I heard this week on CNBC was talking about volatility's back and how great it is because that means they can make money because they, you know, buy the lows, sell the highs, and it's happening all day long. And so they can just make money if they're good at it. And so this is what market makers love. And, and I totally get Tom's point. In fact, it makes me think of a book that was uh, that I read a few years back, Liar's Poker by Michael Lewis, where he talks about, you know, his experience on Wall Street as a bond trader. And essentially, he said, it's a bunch of 20-somethings who don't really know what they're talking about, just out there wheeling and dealing and trying to sell people on making investments and making money off of those people. And so I, I get it. And I, I think there's definitely an element of that going on. Um, but at the same time, there's still some 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 of the economics and fundamentals that drive you know the ability to sell people into into making these investments you got to have some rationale to your sales pitch i right? said increasing stock price i think but i mean and and so you were saying that essentially since last what 15 months ago since the election we saw the stock market go from 18,000 up to i think the high watermark was about 265 and and so that's nearly what a forty percent run up in fifteen months. Yeah, I think and it was so, thirty six or something percent. And so now we've had roughly a ten percent correction. It fell back to about twenty four thousand, which uh, is still very good. right? So about twenty five hundred off the high, which is roughly a ten percent correction, which is a normal correction when there is a correction. It's just happened all so fast, and I'd I'd argue the increase in <laughs> stock prices happened. Relative, you know, fast for the amount of increase in the over the period of time, and the the correction has been very fast. In fact, I don't know if it ended this way, but they said the week was on pace to be one of the worst weeks since the two thousand eight. The market, time. but it finished so high on Friday. I yeah, don't know if it actually ended up being the worst. When the week. market was negative on Friday, and by the yeah. way, it went plus three hundred minus three hundred. It was 300. a thousand point trading range on Friday, which was the third. Right. I think it was the third day of the week where we had a thousand point. The volatility indexes range. are through the roof, right? And yeah, the it just popped up and over. Friday, the market needed to close thirty eight points up. The Dow thirty eight points up. Any less than that would mark the the worst week in the Dow since two thousand nine. So anyway. The, it it made that. I think it ended up closing a few hundred points up. It was like three or four hundred. Po- yeah, it finished four hundred points up. I think it next was so week wild. will be interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, I I'm sure we have more of the same ahead of us. You know, the the couple of things, by the way. Um, first of all, you're talking about these market makers and what everybody's doing. This dude that writes one of the rate watch columns that we get. Mm-hmm. He said, "Remember." The mass is always wrong. <laughs> For 10 years, many of you have heard me vote against the mass. Yes, I'm a contrarian, not because I like the word or because it sounds cool. I'm a contrarian because I've studied markets for 37 years and I've never seen the mass get it right. When the mass is buying, it sure seems like a good time to sell. At the moment, the mass is betting on inflation and higher rates. I don't believe it. What does it mean for the short term? Goes on and on from there, but yeah. basically that same kind of thing. And you know, uh, look back 
we talked about this during the uh, the the beginning of the last recession. You know, remember when mortgage matters started? It was to explain what the heck happened. How did we get here? Why did Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac get popped and go into conservancy? What were the bailouts about? How did it all happen? And I know there have been books and a few movies that have tempted, you know, attempted to to walk the layman through it. They're pretty good. They're, um, in my opinion, they're not as spot on for the mortgage business as what we uh, went through and witnessed. But um, talk about that mass mentality for a minute, right? Every show on TV, you know, and today, think about it. We're here again. Flipper, flop, you know, what are they all? There's so many names of them now. Good bones. I see a new one every week. Now I saw one the other day that's like a rap dude that's like, you know, I'm a rapper now. I Vanilla Ice. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Uh. So it's so easy again that every knucklehead uh. has a TV show now. I was making a ton of money flipping houses. The Vanilla and Ice Project. That's it. If that's not the masses right now, um, you're crazy. That's what's happening. And, you know, that... I do think uh, that things feel a little bit hot, right? And imagine this, like the businesses are doing pretty good, but they also have a real sense of confidence right now because their stock prices are up. So they're making moves and things are good and the stockholders are happy and the dividends are paying and oh, holy smokes. But the earnings aren't really crazy. A lot of the stock went up because we're like, hey, the companies are going to get under this new tax policy. They're really going to, they're going to hit the, they're going to, you know, yeah, we're going to slash regulations. We're going to, we're going to tax businesses at a lower rate. There's going to be all these positive changes for business. And that drove so much of the stock upward movement. But really, where's the innovation? Where's the, no, there's nothing new. You know, it's new. Um, I've been enjoying the political banter about the tax plan. I like this whole, you know, so-and-so came out today and said a thousand bucks ain't crap to a taxpayer. I'm like, well, I don't know about that. There's a lot of people I think would like a thousand bucks. Sure. If for no other reason than just, I give you thousands after thousands after thousands. Fine. <laughs> Fine. It's disproportionate, whatever. You weren't getting the thousand bucks. The new plan's giving you the thousand bucks. What I was going to say is look, Best Buy, they're the example du jour. This week, Best Buy announces they're giving their full time employees a thousand dollar bonus, right? Yeah. Hoop doo. Who cares? They save billions but, under the tax plan and they're going to yeah. dish out millions to their employees. Point being, <laughs> that pays for groceries. For it sure does. So that's sure what does. the stock market yeah. was fired up about is that Best Buy, because the tax plan was going to have, um, you know, so much less taxes that they were going to be so much more profitable. Many of these companies have turned around and said, well, we're going to, we're going to flow it through now for bonuses for our guys. So I get it. If you, if you subscribe to, and I know this is unpopular, so don't shoot me. I'm just bringing it up, but supply side economics. Right, you got that guy now. If you work at Best Buy, you might get a thousand bucks from Uncle Sam, and now you get a thousand bucks from the employer. So, what are you going to do with your two thousand bucks? Maybe you're going to buy some stuff. Hey, pushing GDP. Now we're all winning. Um, That's the that's the hype. I think that moved the market. Okay, but if you lay back and you look at this and you go. Hey, um, from what I understand, 
household debt trumps public debt today. It's big. So what happens if the economy corrects a little bit or in, or some inflation really does start taking hold? And I know it's we keep saying this. It feels like it's starting now. Okay, I'm going to say it again. It feels like it's starting now. Um, but what happens when um, – I don't see a clock. Where's a clock? I don't want to uh, get, yeah, it's behind you now because we got this big – I don't want to get, radi- I don't wanna get radically minutes. off track, but – one of the things I think is interesting from this last recession is that I think is different than every other recession is the the government, state, and federal made it really easy for people to walk away from debts, real estate, different things. Bankruptcy laws were actually lessened so, or loosened, I guess. So just sort of like said, you know, we know you're all hurt and make it a little bit easier. So now when you look at this debt and you look at the things that are going on and everyone's enjoying the ride to the top right now, did we set a new expectation in people that, hey, it's okay to get get to the table, place your bets, and if the going gets tough, we'll make you land softly. We'll help you land softly. So this will be an interesting, you know, if we experience enough of a correction to call it a recession when that's coming, because one's coming, right, in a year or five or six, who knows. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if we sort of retooled people um, to not have to feel like they needed to put their head down and grind, that it might just be easy to just say, you know, screw it. The creditors negotiate. Even the IRS right. negotiates. The bank negotiates. So I don't have to I don't have to lay awake tonight and worry about anymore. That was my dad's generation. Those were the guys that got a second job to pay off that stupid debt that they racked up in the bad times, right? So I think I worry that, you know, I wonder how that goes down on the next go round. But um well, the whole idea behind, you know, requiring reserves from these financial institutions to be beefed up was that, you know, the the guys who are have the credit cards and the mortgages and all that can't default and take them down that they can withstand the stress that stress kind of test. Right. Hey, we got a whole nother hour of mortgage matters coming here from the 10 to 11 o'clock hour. We just want to talk about the jobs report because we haven't talked about that yet. And uh, that fits into this talk. So we'll be back guys about five minutes with another hour of mortgage matters. Stick around. You're tuned into Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Citra Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Volare. Oh, cantare. Oh, oh, oh. Let's fly way up to the clouds, away from the maddening crowd. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's hour number two. We're still here. We had three calls in the first hour. Three calls makes us happy because we know you're listening. As a reminder, this radio show is interactive. If you guys are interested in uh, letting us know that you're out there, that you're listening... You can call us. Dan's talking about wanting to do Facebook Live, too. <laughs> so we're not doing that today, by the way. I didn't shave. So I, I'm not ready for Facebook Live today. But um, I was kind of curious, though, what people think about that, uh, if they would like Facebook Live. I think 
there's kind of a plan for it. I mean, we got all these banners that say KVC in your yeah. name and these mic, uh, these mic yeah, uh, flags. And sure everything. is dressed up in here to so, do that. You know, fancy schmancy. I'm done. The other thing I wonder too is um, I listen to um, Tom and Becky in the morning, right? Oh, sure, K Jug. Yeah, we can, we can promote K Jug. That's one of our stations. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like their show. Yeah. I don't know that I always liked it, but I like it now. Yeah, no, he's good. Um, good. Yeah, they're good. They have a good chemistry. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things they started doing about six months ago that uh, has really become a big part of the show now mm-hmm. um, is like texting. They have a text line. I love it. And people ask questions, make comments, and they and they don't, you know, I'm sure they read a tenth of them or something, but if there's a relevant one or a good one or a question or something that fits in what they're doing, then they'll read them over the air. And I kind of wondered that. Yeah, just should give out your cell phone number and let people text in. That's not how it works, Dan. <laughs> it is, yeah. That's not how it works. Yeah, just broadcast um, that. But I was curious, though. Yeah. Uh Give them your mailing address well, so they can they still must have set one up. Does KVEC have that going on? Like, is Congleton doing that yet? I don't. Well, no, I don't think so. But you could he do, should too. But you could email like Jim at nine twenty kvec dot com, and I can yeah, check my yeah, email. Yeah. But that's not the, as interactive. Jim, I don't know if anybody told you this yet, but the kids today like to text. I realize. Yeah. They want to be able to thumb talk I to realize. you because <laughs> even yeah. putting it in a permanent, semi-permanent, you know, yeah. thing like email is like what your dad did. Yeah, um, yeah I know. But I realize that. But yeah. so, yeah, I guess that's my question. You know, we could do the Mortgage Matters poll of the day. Mm. Would you like Facebook Live or would you like um, the opportunity to be able to text yeah. questions? I I kind of do wonder how often people are listening and maybe they want to ask a question, but it's like I don't, I don't care enough to. This is how I am. Like I, I might have a, a topical thought or question, but what's the phone number? I don't forget it. I don't care. You know what I mean? Five four three eight eight three zero. But I know. Yeah. But and by the way, we'll have to put an eight oh five in front of that pretty soon too. So. Yeah. I thought that already happened. I, I did too. I got it wrong, so I'm not even talking about it anymore. Huh. Fair enough. Anyway. All right. Well, we're nobody's even going to call and tell us if they want to do Facebook Live, huh? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> maybe guess if that you, answers maybe that if question. You had a Facebook we poll. Like a, be we need right? to have like a better wardrobe, too, if we're starting to be going on Facebook. I think we'll just have to stuff. have the disclaimer that this is a Saturday yeah. and yeah. I'm, I'm going to not shave and I'm going to wear a hat. That's just what I'm And do. my daughter woke me up at 4.30 this morning, <laughs> scared the heck out of us, and uh, there's the, there's one of those made it tough yeah. to fall back asleep. So that's why I would... This one caller is going to determine the fate of Facebook Live or texting right Oh, here. we can't... I mean, you can't <laughs> let one person vote and have the outcome. So this is just going to... Depending, this you know... This is it. This is... Okay. I mean... Yeah. I'm going to start streaming just you, though. <laughs> All right. We're live on Facebook. We're just going to point it at It's going to be really boring when I'm just on video listening to you talk. Come on. <laughs> he, already he, uh, back to that. I've been back one day, and we're already back to that. This guy hung up right away, so I couldn't put him on hold. He didn't want to be on hold, so he said, be on hold. Being on hold as well. I'll change the words. Not good. 
Okay. And, uh, and, uh, well, so, that's just kind of the know, natural so maybe, flow of yeah. the phone call. Yeah. So he was basically saying that the text thing would be a good yeah. idea because yeah. being on hold is the worst thing in the world, and then he hung up to prove it. Right. All right. Okay. There so, it is. is that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you do call in, that yeah. is the, the normal flow of the procedure as you call. Yeah. Then they put you on hold briefly while they type the name and where you're from. and then Right. They, or if we have another call. And then we then say, we here's yeah. so-and-so from mm-hmm. wherever town. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Plus, well, we won't keep you on hold very long. I mean, it's just like a minute. Mm-hmm. It's like a call transfer. Yeah. Well. Okay. Where are we at? We were talking. We were gonna talk about the jobs report because we didn't do a, sh- a live show last weekend, and that uh, you know, two Fridays ago was the January jobs report, which was a good one. Okay, and this is pertinent because this plays into what's going on with the market too, right? It sure. The, yeah, whether it's coincidence or or not, that jobs report came out early Friday morning, and then we saw the beginning of the stock market volatility shortly thereafter. And so what? We saw 200,000 plus jobs added to the economy. So a strong Expectation showing. was 190. So we beat expectations. But not, I mean, it wasn't like crazy. Just, no. You know, but it's a good number. Good for number. For January, right? <clears throat> and, um, and we saw uh, better than expected wage growth. Right. But again, not like, you know, life changing well, things here. Interestingly <laughs> enough, when I, I share with, you know, I, I still do the weekly Patterson real estate meeting. I go in there and kind of give those guys a little bit of a market update. Just kind of try to keep them on their toes for when they're talking to buyers and sellers that they have the, you know, some relevant info. Mm-hmm. So I, I take my show notes and I, I sort of, that meeting's on Tuesday. This is on Saturday. So I'm always sort of editing, clipping, you know, adding, subtracting, whatever I need to to be relevant for each audience. Uh, when I talked about the jobs report over there on um, Tuesday, said, hey, realize that that 2.9% wage growth compared to a year earlier, that's a good one. Is it great? No, but it's better than what we've been cruising at. For on the last year over years, we, if we were if we were three percent year over year every year, that'd be pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. We're not. <laughs> Wage growth has been stagnant, sometimes declining. Point zero one percent, point four percent, point nine percent year over year. We've not seen so seeing that wage growth is finally starting to tick up a little bit um, is an inflationary signal, isn't it? If it's going to, if I'm an employer, I'm Walmart. Oh, you know, I like to be Walmart. Um, I'm Walmart, and now everyone's making three percent higher wages year over year. Okay. Well, guess what? We're gonna make up for that somewhere. Guess where we're gonna make up for it? We can do it in our efficiencies. Just get better at what we do because we have those better employees that are making more money because they're better. They're they're. You know, the store is more orderly and the products are better and the checkers are faster and it's a better shopping experience. So people just, it, they make up for it in a little bit of volume. Ah, it's hard to do, especially at that scale. So what do you really do? Well, let's move weight. Let's move prices two or 3%. Okay. Now you're talking inflation. Okay. That's, that's one of the big drivers of inflation. If the cost to produce and deliver these goods and services is increasing because of Wage growth. Wage growth. Mm -hmm. We're going to see inflation go with it. So now 
again, kind of looking back what we were talking about before, you got that bond market. Okay, the bond market's going to represent some of that inflation. And if inflation really starts to go, then the feds are going to have to raise rates to try to keep the inflation cool. So you get wage growth next year or next month for a year over year at 4% or 5% and start going, okay, this is now we it was took forever to start. Now it's started. Um, so then the feds raise rates three or four times this year. As that starts to go, the economy's still doing good now because now the wages are going up, the profits are going up, the costs are going up, everything's sort of going up. This is that cycle that everyone said. I mean, maybe we're just on the leading edge of it. I realize it's only one month, but just saying in the whole hat of all of the reasons why the market Uh, The stock market this week is really reacting to the bond market. This was a catalyst for it, too. So anyway, we're um, not to mention, you know, we've had 10 years of of significant growth in the national debt. So when you introduce more money into the economy, it devalues the dollar, which is inflationary. And on top of that, we've got now... Uh, what a new budget was passed yesterday yesterday yeah, morning kind of something like that stop gap type another thing. another one but you know there was a lot of additional spending agreed to um and that i mean even w- with the tax plan with the budget you know there's believed to be a, a potentially a trillion dollar deficit annually as a result of that so that's going to further add to you know the amount of debt that we have which it, this is all inflationary. Um, there's a lot of factors that point to inflation. Um, so, you know, pick one. They're all kind of leading us down that well, path. Well, and that's the thing like. is if you're if you're um, the big hedge fund manager, right, or, or whatever, you're a big investor, uh, you're an advisor, you're, you're, you're shepherding a lot of money, um, you're looking for all those little things. And one of them is never going to tip the scales for you. But you're trying to add it all up. And that's sort of what we've been talking about, I think, just kind of on the show today. The bigger picture could be another little blip that we just work through and everything's cool. Um, but the global economy is doing a little bit better. The real estate market here has been red hot for a long time. The stock market's been red hot and probably overdue for a correction. Okay, The bond market is seeming like it's... Um, really comfortable where it is right now. Um, It's been, though there's been a lot of volatility in the stock market, the bond market's been a pretty tight upward range now for six or eight weeks in a row. Um, So you just start to add all those things up and you start to think, hey, um, unless you want to stick your head in the sand, you might want to look over here and just pay attention that these things, if they turn into a trend, will be exactly how you know they're anticipated to play out because these are some of the leading edge of it mm-hmm. and we have a 24-hour news cycle so you got to watch all the time right be guessing always got to be talking about something um we've got a caller waiting we've got don calling from san luis obispo good morning good morning uh, i have a comment about the economy as a whole and this is not political but it doesn't seem to matter who is president or whatever at the time um, a real barometer to me has always been how much is your banker willing to pay you for your money? Mm-hmm. That shows you how much is going on in the economy, what kind of industry is at work, that sort of thing. And um, there is a detriment to a, a low interest rate anyway, I think. Yeah. 
when it comes to housing, uh, young people who are trying to save up money uh, for a down payment, they find that uh, with a low interest rate, the price of housing um, is set free. It keeps going up, up, up. Yeah. I've been one of those young people, and you keep stashing money away, you know, uh, but the price is going up on you every year. And um, the I, I'm wrong. Wheel. I manage it okay, but it's it's really tough if you're that young couple that's trying to come up with that down payment and the interest rate is low. It's good if you get if you get there, but trying to get there is awfully tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Well, we know the inflationary cycle drives up real estate too. Um, in this case, which is kind of good for homeowners, but it's not necessarily good for that person that's been saving. But at the same time, the savings will be worth a little bit more in that inflationary environment too. Well, that's true, and um, I'm I'm kind of an old guy, and I've I've watched this over um, a long period of time. And uh, your banker's a pretty smart guy, and what he's willing to pay you for your money tells you pretty much how healthy. The, I just don't feel our economy is that healthy yet. And um, under Trump, nor Obama, nor whoever, it just seems that um, um, when things get stable and are solid, your banker will begin to pay you a sufficiency for your money. Mm-hmm. And until then. Until then, I just can't feel that worldwide it's a healthy economy. So you can see that the stock market could get a little shaky, among others. That's not the only wealth we have in our country, obviously. But that, too, is sort of a thermometer. You can look at it, and you can read something into it, but you shouldn't read everything into it either, I don't think. Yep. You fellas do a good job, so keep it up. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate, Appreciate that. Great comment. Comment. Appreciate your call. Um, real quick on that wage growth topic. Yeah. Two point nine percent. I like that. Let's get Let's that keep rolling. That going. Um, We've been talking about wage way, growth, need, re- you know, being on the horizon for a long time. That horizon just doesn't get any closer. I think <laughs> you and I will agree on this: that for mm, what year is it? Twenty eighteen. <laughs> so for nine years now, real estate has gone up. Every year. Well, let's draw the line out at 2010. Eight 2009 might have still been yeah. correcting. Um, you know what it is this year? We get all these different indices, right? We got the K Schiller Home Price Index. We got the that uh, other one. The, There's the FHFA. Yeah. There's the Realtor. Index. We just are seeing plenty of indices that help us track month over month, year over year changes in real estate values nationally. And, and for us, more importantly, in California... Um, every one of those points to at least six percent. Oh yeah, yeah, seven. S- yeah, seven seems like the national number. Right. Um. Sure. And seven around here has been. I mean, there's plenty of sevens. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to make the point that um, your real estate is still to Don's point. Your real estate is still outpacing your wage growth by double. Mm-hmm. So you're not closing that affordability gap for any of those youngers that are savers that are hoping to be able to buy, hoping to be able to get their foot in the door, um, you know. And so those that that's just kind of the current state of affairs. And by the way, it's a double-edged sword in real estate because saving is hard when you're not getting return on your savings. Yeah. And but as rates go up, co- monthly cost of ownership goes higher. Well, so it's just, it's a tough, and then all the while, I remember this feeling too, sitting there at work on a salary going, well, damn, dang, if I owned a house, um, 
At least I'd have a tax write-off. I'd get to save seven grand more of my paycheck this year if I owned a house. But I can't own a house because, you know, I pay the stupid taxes because I don't have the deduction and the houses keep getting more money, more expensive. So I'm not, I'm just over yeah. here. I'm frustrated. I'm not able to save anything. I want to save. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a, I think that's your, that's your mid-20s. That's the sentiment there. I got to get something to go. I need something. You know, can I have some inheritance? Can I have some gift funds? Can I have some down payment assistance? Mm. I didn't get any of those things. You know, you've got to just keep doing the hard work. Um, Okay. So this feels like the right time to do another little break because we powered through the first break of the last (laughs) hour and didn't even run it. Um, But the other thing I think that, and maybe you guys already did this. Um, was talk a little bit about the tax plan because I heard a lot of that stuff about n- now under the new tax plan, you know, ah, buying a house isn't worth it anymore. Did you guys talk about this at all? Uh, Maybe a little, a little bit. bit. Not, probably worth talking about a little bit yeah. more. Um, interesting article that I read this week on Inman, um, the seven reasons that the tax plan is good for real estate investors. And so I'm like, ah, look at that. Um so anyways, we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about the tax plan and whether or not your interest is still deductible and whether or not it's worth it. Um, should be fun. So let's do a quick break. We'll be back in a couple minutes with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Linden. Too often, potential home buyers disqualify themselves believing they need perfect credit. The fact is we can finance home buyers with low credit scores, collections, bankruptcy, foreclosure, or short sale. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018-39608. DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328358. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. This is a song that uh, we did uh, with the great Count Basie Orchestra oh, some years ago. Arranged by Quincy Jones. Fly me to the moon Let me play up there with those stars Let me see 
what life is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold my hand. In other words, baby, kiss me. Fill my heart with song. Let me sing forevermore You are all I long for All I worship and do adore I'm getting it now, Jim. Yeah. At first what? I thought it was like Valentine's. Italian Heritage Week or something, uh, but now Valentine. it's all the, the, Valentine. the romantic Valentine's Day. I'm with you. You know, this is one guy I regret not being able to see. I Seriously. You know, blue eyes. Yeah. Mm. Dean Martin, those guys. Yeah. You'll see him one day at that great gig in the sky, well, Jim. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How will the new tax law impact your housing costs, Dan? Well, I'm in a fixed rate mortgage, so I don't think it's going to impact too much i mean and unless you're uh my mortgage is less than what's the number seven hundred and fifty thousand. yeah so i'm good there my property taxes are less than 10 grand so i'm good there and the cap as i understand it that seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar cap only um is a cap for people that buy their home after December 14, 2017. So if you owned a home from a year or two ago, oh, your grandfather, where you had a million, million dollar, dollar loan or something like that, um, you could still deduct your interest to the whole way. So this is a cap on the people that are acquiring real estate after that December 14th date. Um, now they're going to be limited to a $750,000 maximum interest deduction. Okay, so let's talk about the interest deduction because we see a lot of tax returns with people who are coming in to qualify for a mortgage. And when you own investment property, you're reporting the income and expenses of that investment property on a Schedule E. And one of the expenses, the Schedule E is essentially a P&L for your investment property. Yeah. And on that Schedule E, one of your expense line items is your mortgage interest. So I think of that as a deduction. It's an expense of that rental business, right? That's yeah. You're deducting that interest as an expense. That still occurs, right? That's not changing. Is that changing? Dan, due to my licensing, I need to let you know that You're I'm not, not a, a tax, tax professional. Yeah, yeah. Contact your um, CPA and blah, blah, blah. My understanding of this is is that, yes, what you're describing, those are expenses related to the owner, operator, cash flow of that property. Right. Okay. This difference is that this is an item from your for your Schedule A. So this is your primary residence. And Would you normally get to deduct second home mortgage interest on a Schedule A? Um, You... I believe you can. I don't I think that it's acceptable to do it both ways and to, and generally if there is no income generated on the second home that you can deduct it by way of the schedule A. So I think it's acceptable both ways. The more common practice is to see it on the for a second home to see it on the schedule A. Okay. I think. Yeah. Cuz so I rarely see second if homes on a schedule If there's a tax e. preparer listening, <clears throat> 
Let me know if that's wrong. I don't think we ever see second homes on a Schedule E. No. No. So. Um, and okay. so. So really what we're talking about with the mortgage interest deduction being capped at 750000 is for any homeowner who's purchased their home after whatever date in December last year who has a mortgage balance greater than $750,000, you're going to be capped at writing off the interest up to the $750,000 loan amount mark, and then anything over that is non-deductible. Yeah, and the old cap was a million. So if you had the the house before December 14, 2017, and you have a million-dollar loan, or if you had a 12, uh, $1.2 million loan, you would only have been able to do the prorated portion up to the million for your deduction. Got it? So in that case, that threshold has come down for the people that are acquiring new property. Otherwise, it stays the same for the, the people that are grandfathered in. You think that's um, a shot at the at the quote-unquote blue states? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, look at the – I mean – I mean, I get you can argue that, oh, no, it's the it's the wealthy that are being, you know – receiving a you know a, a cut in deductions but really you don't have to be wealthy in california to, to own us i mean i you have to make a lot of money to own a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar. i feel like it's an interesting mortgage. number because in california i mean think about this with central coast lending we do a lot of home loans in the county sure uh one of the busiest lenders in the county and how many seven hundred fifty thousand dollar or greater loans do we do every year I mean, not a lot. No. And the, also, that number is beyond the conforming, the maximum conforming loan limit for a single family residence. Um, really, around the country, right? Is anybody that high? No. The highest conventional loan you can get, I think it's up to 650 ish now. I want to say 650, somewhere in the neighborhood of 650. Guam and Hawaii oh, yeah. are always more. They're, so always, gonna, they're like 800,000. I'm going to look that up real like quick. Um, yeah. So on a single family, Alaska, Guam, Hawaii, and the U.S. Virgin Islands are at 679, 650. For the conforming loan limit. But yeah. the high balance limit's well higher. The high that. cost area. For a single family for that region's one million nineteen thousand four hundred seventy five dollars. Okay, is Those housing that expensive, expensive in Alaska? Um, I don't believe I've sampled enough of Alaska <laughs> to know. I've been to three different regions of Alaska, and I would venture to say not. A lot of it looked like Crazy. it was similar to you know. I saw houses like in Ketchikan. There was houses for four hundred grand. So yeah, you probably could spend a million bucks, but I don't think you have to. So that being said, for the most part, this seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar deduction lines up past that marker of of where we believe, you know, where FHFA that sets this stuff has come out and said, this is the number, and they give you a high cost area um in that in that number, this this exceeds that. So they're looking at metros with the median home price, and they're doing these adjustments for the different metros. And then this tax number is beyond that right. on average. Yeah. So entry-level home in San Francisco, yeah, you're probably going to end up with a $750,000 mortgage. Sucks. It's expensive. You're probably not balling. You know, if you're buying that 
but that being said, um, so that deduction, like I said, Dan, does this change it for you? Run down the checklist. No, it doesn't. Unless you owe more than seven hundred fifty grand, or if you buy a house and you finance more than that going forward, you're not going to get the value of the whole deduction. So that being said, let's say you come away with a nine hundred thousand dollar loan. Well, you're not going to get to deduct a hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of the interest proportional interest. So it's not like you lost the whole deduction. You lost a scratch of it. Right. Sucks. Right. Maybe wants to pay as little as taxes as possible. I get it. That's one of those things where I just wish it was, it, the number wasn't static across the country, that it was, it varied by state or something like that, so that it felt more fair. Okay. It's just me. Anything else we can do for you? No, yeah, just that. At least on that topic. Okay. I was going to say, I kind of like, I mean, we could, we could get into it. This lends itself easily to like a flat tax um, conversation, but let's do that another day. Uh, we're going to run out of time here. Um, the other thing too, and um, <laughs> you like that? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah. If you're paying 10%. Everyone should be paying 10%. Yeah. And I'm, th- <laughs> and I'm thinking like um, Ker- Kershaw, Kershaw, he should pay 10%. Sure. I mean, on him, that's like 30 million bucks a year. On you, it's chump change. So, yeah, sign up for that. It's not how it works, though, Dan. (laughs) He's got seven shell corporations and four accountants (laughs) around. Dude's paying less taxes than you are. I know. That's what's frustrating. A couple nonprofits, a couple (laughs) under-the-table autographs. No problem. (laughs) Um, Under the previous tax code, you could deduct the interest on a line of credit up to $100,000 if the use of the line of credit was for home improvement, maintenance type of things. That got scratched. So a little bit of a heads up to some of you out there today that have a line of credit that are used to writing that off. You're going to want to try to get that into a non-line of credit type of first lien now if if what you want is a write-off. You lost that deduction. Well, so, and not to mention in a rising rate cycle here, it's, it's better to have that debt that's in a variable line of credit to be locked up in a fixed rate, fixed rate loan instead. Absolutely. Fix your costs. I mean, if you need the revolving nature of it, then that's not going to solve your problem, but... Yeah. yeah. Um, and by the way, you can still claim the, this for 2017. This is kind of the tax stuff going forward. So you're getting the right. point of being up to date on these things. You're going to get a little bit of opportunity to. So you can plan today yeah. for what's coming at the end of the year. Yeah, exactly. Um, Take a quick time out. Okay. We got a caller. We've got Randall calling from Los Osos. Good morning, Randall. Hey, good morning, guys. So with the increase of uh, wage inflation, I guess, the increase of uh, wages and the cause of, or the, you know, how it causes inflation, um, something that I haven't heard you guys talk about is how that can actually tank the real estate market. You know, with, with driving interest rates up, you know, less and less people are going to want to buy, you know, based on, you know, an 18% mortgage loan. We're not there yet, but it's historically it's happened right yeah um, we were touching on that a little with that that double-edged sword it makes saving maybe a little bit easier because you're getting a little return on your savings but it definitely makes that monthly cost higher so 
you know, and, and this is all part of that, you know, home buyer consultation. We try to figure out, you know, what's, what do we need to work on? Do we need to work on the down payment side is cash monthly cash flow. What's preventing you from being able to buy a home. And sometimes it's a little bit of both and it certainly can, it, you know, when housing in most areas is unaffordable to, to the majority, rising interest rates don't help that situation. Um, well, I, you know, I, yeah, I agree with that. I, you know, I also believe that, you know, higher interest rates on mortgage loans will bring housing prices down and therefore make it easier for the first time home buyer. It you know, may, you know, or the saver, someone that's, you know, they're going to pay a higher interest rate, but that, you know, it's going to be on a, a much cheaper house than on a hyperinflated real estate market. It may, you know? but if it's in, infl- if we're having an inflationary environment, wouldn't real estate also the value of the value of real estate will go up too. And one of the things that you got to remember is if you own your home, as you go through that cycle with your 30 year fixed one, that's going to put upward pressure on rents too. So the homeowner starts to really experience some advantages there. Their payment is fixed. Their property values are going up. Their income's going up and their savings rates are going up. So being a homeowner through an inflationary cycle is really a very good thing. Yes, it squeezes I, I, that I lower and middle agree class. With that. Okay, I, you but, know, I, I completely agree with that. But I, you know, I don't think housing, you know, with the inflation of like interest rates, I don't see how that relates to inflated real estate, you know, um, investments. You know, I, I don't, I don't see how how high interest rates on a mortgage are going to, you know, make housing appreciate i i see that as it's a, it it's an interesting leap it's an interesting leap for sure and i'll tell you um some of the guys that you know that i talk to and, and hang out and, and try to chew this fat with are a lot older than i am and say that that's basically how it goes every time and i i agree i have trouble wrapping my head around it to some degree but i think part of it is that um at a minimum, you're going to have those increasing rents driving up the real estate investments, um, especially in that environment where, you know, if you own a home with no loan or you're able to buy a house cash and the, the rental premiums just ever increasing throughout inflationary cycle are going to drive real estate up too. It means I feel like it's common sense to say, hey, if you can afford a $500,000 loan at today's four and a half interest rate, when the interest rate goes to seven, you need to be shopping for a $450,000 loan because those payments are closer to equal. Right. But one right. of the things yeah, that... I, and I, I'm a fan of, of, you know, parking your money in, uh, you know, real estate or, you know, the stock market, something that if you just save and save your money alone, you're not going to keep up with, with inf- every, you're not going to keep up with no. inflation, basically. So, right. um, um, I, I'm a huge fan of parking money in real estate, but I, you know, the, the water is ahead to me. Say to, to you know to wait for housing prices to come down as inflation creeps up. Well, let me and tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you a couple of quick things about this, though, um, and I'll try to be really brief. But I, I know I've beat this drum a lot on the show. Our country has to build um, somewhere in the ballpark of 1.5 million homes a year 
to keep up with homes that are knocked out of supply due to age or environmental disaster and population growth. That being said, over the last 10-year period, we've built about 6 million homes. So we are shy of 15 or 20 million homes, depending on where you want to draw the line. And the regulatory environment, land cost, uh, you know, all these things are making it to where we can't add them back fast enough. So while you – while you know, Randall, while you were talking, I opened up my folder. I have a folder on my computer sitting in front of me of the buyers that I have pre-qualified today. So I'm just I'm just one little dude in a Tascadero. Um, I have 25 pre-approved buyers today. And when I pull up, um, there's a great I, – I use the uh, – any of the local IDX sites will show you this, but I, I look at the listing reports every single day um, for the past seven days, a new listing. So I'm just going to use myself as an example. I'm a loan officer in Atascadero. Um, I have 25 pre-approved clients, and in Atascadero um, this week, there was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 homes on the market. So, or new homes added to the market, right? So anyways, there's such a pent up demand and some of these people that, you know, we count them as the first time home buyer that can't afford it. But when they come in and get qualified, even if the rate's six, they don't know that it was four. They didn't have that perception or that goal in their mind. They're like, six is pretty good because at that time their savings rate will be four or 5%. You know, they're auto loans will be eight or 9%. So they'll look at this and they'll go, that's pretty good. That's a fair deal. I'll, I'll take it. I need to, I need to buy a house anyway. I could get the write off. So those I, uh, things are always going to be, that's always going to be in the soup. Yeah. Your, your point's well taken. I think that in order for real estate prices to go down, you have to have supply outpacing demand and higher rates are going to start to bring that back to equilibrium. But it, we have so much more demand than supply right now that it's going to have to take a lot of lot higher rates to really get supply higher than demand. And I, I just, it's hard for me to argue that when you have millennials just getting to home buying age, I see more demand on the horizon. I could see a scenario and argue a scenario where we see flat, like plateaued prices for a prolonged period. It's hard for me right now to see the, the period of time where prices start going down. The decline's hard to see. I think it's it really th- that'll is. be in the next recession. So yeah. um, you got to add those indicators up. We're not. We don't have any recession indicators to add today. We really appreciate well, the, the, your- stock, the stock market. Generally, is the first indication of a recession. You know, that's it, a lot of people think that you know job numbers or real estate numbers are all indicative of a good economy. You know, are things going? But in reality, the the stock market is is the main indicator that that dictates where the economy is actually going. And right now we're going through a correction based on inflation, and that that tail is, is just beginning to wag. So, yeah, we're going to have to know, see if I, the correction is more than just a correction or if, if it starts to go back The dead up. cat bounce. Yeah. So we'll see. Randall, we have to let you go. We've got another caller waiting uh, patiently. Thanks, so for, gonna, thanks for listening. Thanks yeah. for calling, Randall. We've got uh, George uh, calling from Santa Margarita. Good morning, George. Hey, good morning. I've been listening to this for a little while, and, and there's a, a topic that no one's touched on in this discussion about housing affordability. Um, it's, acquiring the house is one thing, 
The other part is keeping the house, and, and uh, a lot hinges on that, and that is the, the cost of owning it, uh, which is all the utilities, the water, the electric, yep. the gas, the insurance, the taxes. Uh, and basically a lot of people buy big homes just to store stuff they never use. <laughs> You're paying uh, property taxes on that square footage that's basically a garage as far as its use. And sure. uh, I mean, there's a an acronym. It's called DINKS, and that's double income, no kids. Yeah. And those those people they shouldn't be buying a three thousand square foot house <laughs> or two thousand square foot house. Uh, nor should they be driving a car that seats six people. You know, in, in my opinion, uh, if you want to be able to really get ahead, uh, just buy what you need. You know, a tiny house. Well, they don't have any kids. Lot. They got all kinds of extra money. Yeah. <laughs> well, not really. I yeah. mean, uh, when you consider the housing costs, if you want to buy a, a two thousand square foot house and and you you're going to pay uh, uh, six seven hundred thousand dollars for it, and uh, and you uh, you're going to be floating a four hundred thousand dollar mortgage, um, it takes two incomes. Yeah. It's George. I think you're on to something, and I think what we should call it is a new rule of thumb that your house, maximum house size, should be no greater than 500 square foot per person residing there. <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that's actually... So if you're a family idea. of four, you can have two grand. It's federal 2, law. 2,000 yeah. square feet. Family of five will give you 2,500, so you're not on top of each other. But if you're one or two people, here's your 500 feet, here's your 1,000 feet. It's federal law. <laughs> and, and a 1,000 square feet to park your car. There yeah. you go. Perfect. Get them in a smart car. All right, hey George, thanks thanks for calling. Appreciate that. Um, all right, final commercial break of the show. Let's do it. Ready for that? I am uh, ready. Fire right. is loaded. Fire when ready. All right. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll be back in a couple minutes here for the rest of Mortgage Matters. Thank you. <laughs> Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. There's a common myth that home buyers need to save a 20% down payment to buy a home. The fact is we offer numerous zero down and low down payment loan programs. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRE number 018-396-08. California DBO number 605-4783. NMLS number 328358. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. When I fall in love, it will be forever. Or I'll never. We went from like uh, love songs to like nap songs. This is another love song. I know. There it is. <laughs> Best known for chestnuts roasting on an open fire, I guess. But uh, see, you you also uh, have a strong association to these artists and their Christmas music. I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. No. It's not just me. No. Uh, I want to hop back into the tax things. It'd just be a good good topic to button up, especially if anybody... Um, you ever listen to... When you're listening to the radio and somebody's talking about something that you're like, yeah, and then you mm-hmm. just sit in the driveway for a minute, like you turn the car off, just sit there listening. I hope you're doing that right now. Yeah. Um, the next item here on the tax list that we just got to discuss, because this stuff got kicked around a lot. Uh, There's been a lot of misinformation and speculation about what this stuff would do for all of us. Um, For a minute there, in one of the proposals of a tax plan, uh, we were going to lose the state and local tax deductions. So that's what they call the SALTs. You heard the SALT tax deduction. Um, State and local tax is what that acronym's uh, trying to describe. So basically, under the old tax law, uh, property taxes paid to state and local governments could be claimed as an itemized deduction. And when we were potentially losing that, you're like, wait, so state and local taxes, historically you've been able to write those off against your income. Um, If you lost that deduction, um, that would be a major, well, I was going to make the claim, maybe I should ask the question, would that be a major reason to have people sort of say, well, wait a minute, maybe owning a home uh, isn't, it's losing some value if you can't write off those property taxes. It would. Yeah. I mean, that would be a thought for sure. That would be affecting some people, some people's decision. So yeah, maybe you got to weigh it in. It's one of the reasons that you would say, I got to get on that ownership train because you get to deduct some of these expenses, right? Um, so under the old tax law, property taxes paid to state and local governments can be claimed as an itemized deduction. Um, you could also deduct some state and local income or sales taxes. The new law bundles all these together and limits the deduction in total for 10000 for both married and single couples. So... I asked you earlier, is this tax law going to affect you? I think so. Um, well, Because it's all your state and local taxes, right? 
your your um property taxes um paid to state and local governments um, is it just the property tax portion that's capped at ten thousand or income state and local income or sales taxes so this so is it's probably above a and spot. beyond yeah. yeah so this would affect me i believe this is probably one of the places where in the push yeah. and pull you're probably losing to. a little bit of this one if your yeah. property taxes are six grand a year and you're used to paying ten thousand bucks in state income tax i'll just spitballing yeah. round numbers then you may affect. have had a deduction there of sixteen thousand for last year that may be capped this year at ten thousand um but it feels I've, like the right time to again say, I'm not a tax professional, so if anybody that's listening to this is thinking that this is some kind of advice, don't. You still need to go figure out for you with your account and all your kind of thing. The context of this conversation is trying to understand whether these things have a dramatic negative impact on your desire or ability or the benefits of owning real estate. That's what we're trying to do, right? But then I've heard that there's efforts to try to turn in in what do the state and local taxes as a charitable contribution as opposed to a a, a tax and then that would be a way around it yeah deductible to the fed yeah they're gonna like try to make california's gonna turn into a 503 somehow yeah wherever you're paying that state and local tax would turn into a nonprofit. so then it's a charitable contribution as opposed to a tax and then that's like a way around. We'll see if that actually happens or not. Dude, I feel like California has been scamming me out of money for years. So um, high time they figured out a way to help us scam the feds out of some money. <laughs> Pass that baton. Um, we were talking about this, uh, how many homes in the U.S. Zillow just released this article a little while ago. It said only 14% of homes in the U.S. are worth enough to carry high enough tax bills. Um that a borrower uh, borrowing 80% of the purchase price uh, would benefit from itemizing. So when you look at the standard deduction, all these kind of things, it's very little of, I think, impact to the overall market. Um, so all, all together, I think yeah. we, we dodged a little bit of a bullet. As we looked at some of those proposals and the way that they were coming together, losing your state and local tax deductions all together – was like, oh, that could that could really hurt. You know, that might be twenty four thousand plus dollars for some people. That would be a real bummer. Um, but that being said, they also doubled the um, that what's it called standard the deduction. the standard deduction. So I'm sure the soup it all comes out in the wash somewhere. I'm curious um, when you zoom into just the state of California, how many people are affected by that? You know, you said what. 80 percent of people will just get the standard deduction nationwide. I wonder what that's what that number looks like in California. Time will tell. Um, well, speaking, after, of, speaking of time, after a, out of it, after a hiatus here for Mortgage Matters, I just want to say thank you guys. It's, oh, no problem. It's been it's nice to have you. I back. really appreciate the coverage. You know, as I was out, um, for those of you that that don't know what happened, I. My wife's grandpa and my grandpa passed away in the same week within five days of one another, and it sucked. 
Um, we were really tight with both of them, and so it just took me off the game. But anyways, it's nice to be back today. Great to have a show uh, with six phone calls. Um, yeah. Well, it's not the same without you. Apparently, it's an infomercial without you. <laughs> and I apologize. <laughs> Can't ever take the opinion of one person, Dan. You know, it's the vocal I minority. Try. I try, but you know. Hey, guys, if you need loan help with anything, um, here's the information part. You need loan help with <laughs> anything this week related to your loan, understanding your loan. You know, if you need to refi or buy something new, call us at 543-LOAN, which is 543-5626. We will be back next week for another live episode of Mortgage Matters. Thanks so much for being here and nowhere else, and uh, really appreciate you. Have a great week. <laughs>